0: It's time for Governance by Grace. Welcome to Gracearchy with Jim Babka. Jim, I had no idea how serious this was. They found white dust in the White House, man. Can you believe it? (laughs) And then I read below the headline, uh, it turns out it was cocaine, and uh, now the kerfuffle has begun, right? Here we are. I guess the stuff's been tested. It was in a zippered bag. It was in the West Wing, where they say, I love how they say it's high traffic area, high trafficking in that area in what drugs? <laughs> 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 you know, the irony is not lost on me here. But you, but you know what? We, we got to address this. I know this got on your skin and I know why it did. And we're going to talk about it for completely non political reasons and just impugn everybody here because this is, this is, uh, this is Watergate. This is Clinton. This is everything all over again. I did not have sex with that woman, woman, right? It's the I same think this, thing.
1: I think this is a distraction. I'm going to disappoint everybody right off the bat. I'm going to tell everybody what is actually going on here. And in fact, I'll go one step further. I can prove that the people who were uh, professing to care about this don't actually care about it. They care about re-election, though, right? Well, we're gonna to get to it. Yeah so know. Okay. first first I want to make uh, I want to explain something uh the two big concepts today. The first one's called agenda setting theory. So the way agenda setting theory works is it basically says the media covers certain issues and because it's covering those issues, that ends up being the thing that you think about and subsequently end up in conversation about with other people over the water cooler or over the fence at work,
0: at play, whatever, you get together a family gathering. These are the things you talk about because so this, this isn't even not this is better than manipulation. This is just like the power of suggestion. We suggest a topic. It's controversial. We talk about it.
1: Yes. And 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 it's just so if a story isn't covered by the media, it doesn't exist. And uh, Richard Vigory, who's basically one of the two or three most important founders of the conservative direct mail movement, said uh, famously in uh, a different time, you'll be able to tell when by the quote, if Dan Rather's not talking about it, then I can't raise money off of it. So his letters needed to pull from the agenda setting time. Now, the fact is, yeah. this is one of those phenomena that if you are aware of it, it has less potency over you. If you can like watch the news and say, okay, I, I see agenda setting at work, then you know that you can leave it go. And I want to start right now beginning to uh, prove that people don't care. Now, This show will come out uh, here in, in, you know, early mid-July of 2023 when this is all happening and you'll be able to look up the timestamps on the Google, look back in history at, you know, cocaine in the Biden White House. What you will not find is stories about this story in the same regime media sources in August of 2023. They'll be gone. They so this are ephemeral. Is a
0: prediction because it's happened before?
1: Tons of times. <laughs> My favorite example of this is I actually said the same thing in 2018, in October of 2018. At the time, there was a group of uh, immigrants coming from a, from a central South American country that were migrating all the way up. And they were going to come through Mexico and into the United States. They were going to invade. There was thousands of them. They were in a They were in a caravan and they were going to evade. These were the terms that kept coming up. They're in a caravan and they're going to invade. But conveniently, their invasion date was somewhere towards the middle to later part of November. It's going to be like the 15th, 20th, maybe even Thanksgiving, before they actually walked across the American border. And people were going to be there to meet them. This was a October surprise of sorts. This was uh, midterm elections. And this was designed to get people lathered up and get out to vote. That's what this was, pure and simple. That was the only reason this propaganda existed. Uh, they couldn't prove, for example, that that, that caravan was actually going to make it or where it was going to actually land on the border. They didn't know that for sure yet. Uh, you know, lots of people could have turned around or turned back or given up or settled at someplace along the way. They couldn't prove any of that stuff. This was, uh, you know, video footage. Uh, it could have been created in Wag the Dog effect, for all we know. But I go and I say on a uh, on a uh, radio show uh, uh, that was in multiple markets. I said out loud, "I don't care about this issue; it's a non-issue, and you won't care about it in 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 uh, the day the election's over." Yeah, I get that. And uh, we got started getting calls. and They were angry. In fact, one guy was screaming. They had to hang up on him because he was, you know, he was doing the things he can't do on radio, right? And uh, I mean, he was threatening, even like he was angry, like you know, telling me where I needed to go. They cut him off and that's the end of that. But here's the thing. I don't know who that man was or where he's at today, but nobody was talking about that story on the date
0: that they were supposed to arrive at the border. It was less yeah. than a month and nobody was talking about the story. So the analog to the white dust in the White House here is that in what, a week or a month? Nobody will be talking about this either. Yeah, it could be gone as soon as a week. I never I never make my
1: prediction on this quite that fast. I usually try to give myself about a month because it's a real issue. And here's my point. In fact, here's a big, big point that I'd like to make in the show. If it's a real
0: issue, someone would care and we would be talking about it a month from now. Right? But that, but that standard of of uh, conversation, I'm not even called a standard of proof. That, that standard of conversation is gone. It's just evaporated. We don't care about that stuff anymore. We don't care. Well,
1: I th- listen, the, the the we we is too too broad a word. You you don't think that way anymore, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't I don't I don't think that way anymore. The people who are here now watching this 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 episode or listening to it in a podcast, they too can look at this differently because they had an opportunity to be exposed to it. And they probably do. And then they can begin to talk to their friends. So what we're gonna try to do here is say there is a different
0: way to do this, and you can pull yourself out of the agenda setting machine. I should just plug that right now because uh, zeroaggressionproject.org, you want to learn what it's like to actually live a zero aggression lifestyle of human respect, zap the state and have a nice day. Zeroaggressionproject.org is correct. And you know what else? We
1: actually have a tool there called mental levers. And one of them is about agenda setting theory and we modified Downsize DC as well, another project I worked on to call it agenda Setters by downsize DC because we wanted everybody to set their own agenda daily. You pick the issues that you care about. You don't let the media do it for you. Uh, now,
0: we picked this one for you. So um listen up, everybody. Cause
1: no, we picked this one because this is what people are talking about right now. So this gives us an opportunity to step right into reality and use principles. Right? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, second, second big idea. Second, really big idea. So that's the genociding theory is one idea, and there's a whole uh, set of thoughts I have about media, and these are two of the biggest ones. The next one is relatively original. I actually am the one that came up with this term, the conflict machine. So the way the conflict machine works is, uh, it's really a better word for our politics. Anytime uh, what what happens is people get on invested in a partisan team, and they may start out with the best of intentions that they care about some issue or set of issues and what's happening and they want the right thing to happen. But over time, they become frustrated with their opponents and believe that they're in the way and they begin settling for conflict and battling and fighting all the time over everything. And this happens for a very specific reason. That's because the government or the state is, is, is force. So it's coercing people to act against what they would normally choose, as their own happiness, their own harmony, and their own prosperity. They're, they're saying, we're going to get in the way of how you would live, exercise your liberty, how you would go about pursuing happiness. And we're going to make you do it our way. So if we get 50% plus one of the vote, we get hundred percent of the power. And that means we're always going to be in a contest with each other. And that contest starts to get ugly. And we begin because we get so caught up in the contest and making sure that we're winning, we start to settle for the tears, the delicious tears of our opponents. We want to make them cry. We we start to forget. So in every one of these cases, you do two things. You first of all, you spot the coercion. Where is it at in a given situation? We're going to talk right. about that in a second. Um, and then second, you you look for the misdirected rage, because what ends up happening is people stop. They go the opposite way of grace. They go to the conflict machine instead and the conflict machine is self perpetuating. So I want you to think of it almost as a political industrial complex. It's a media industrial complex, but it's not just the media. Agenda setting is what the media's role in it is. And they have some propaganda roles as well, but there's not, uh, the conflict machine is fed by all the participants in it, whether they're the activists or the candidates or the campaign managers and pollsters, everybody's caught up into this battle. And and that really is the true nature of our
0: politics. That's how we settle things. So and, c- can I quickly interject in that? Because I think there's yeah. the other part. So is the part that we play with our political dollars and our vote and our subscription uh, dues part of that as well? It can be.
1: It, it, and it almost always is. No, I'm not saying it, it absolutely has to be. Because it is possible that you could step into politics saying, I'm here to bring peace. And I'm here to take aggression out of our lives. I want to reduce the role that the state has in what we do. So if you're doing those things, then, then no. But you know what I, my personal experience, I was in a third party and I had risen to a pretty important role in that party at one point. I found that it changed my character to participate in that, that even internally to my own team, it changed my character. The existential stakes were so high that when someone was doing something that I considered stupid to the long-term strategy that we were pursuing, you know, they I non-personed them. And yeah. so 20 yeah. years ago, almost, it'll be 20 in, in October, 20 years ago, I turned in my membership card. I said, I'm done. I'm not renewing. I don't want to be in this anymore because I didn't like what it was doing to my character. So it's an earlier stage in my journey to recognize this. I'm, you know, as time's gone by, I've seen, I've understood more and more about what was happening and why it was happening. Maybe someday we'll have to talk about how political parties work and what they really do inside, uh, because it's pretty fascinating. But one of the things it did was it got, it made me a conflicting person as opposed to a graceful person.
0: Yes, I get that. And and that's just the nature of postmodern politics. It's how it works almost worldwide.
1: Right, that's exactly how it works.
0: The punchline in
1: all of this is, that fighting with each other and coercing one another to do this, to do one person's centrally controlled plan is a bad idea. Like there, there is no person that is qualified to run your life other than you. And and at times, yeah. let's be honest, you're not even qualified to do it either, right? I know. There's so much I don't know, right? There's so much you don't know. Like even even, no kidding, no kidding. We can go to scientific studies to demonstrate this. You don't even know enough to make the right decisions most of the time. And this is our, this is our state as human beings, right? Exactly. So consider the Milgram experiment here. People were dressed in white lab coats, right? Say, and, and every time you didn't, you know, agree to give the shock to the person, right? They would be like, tell you, you have to shock them. They gave the wrong answer. And so we can even say that it is that some people were not even qualified to do, to, to
0: take instructions from authority. Like taking instructions from authority can be dangerous, So how this all plays into coercion and what that all has to do with our white dust example. So let's deal with one tiny thing first, and that's basically the hypocrisy
1: of this whole thing. Oh, there is, there is a double standard for the elites and everybody recognizes this. Hunter Biden just got away with, with potentially, we, we don't know the details of his plea deal, but he may have been let completely off the hook for things that would have gotten other people three to 11 year prison sentences. Okay and now cocaine shows up in the white house and so we know that the elites are protected that they don't have they don't have the same level of accountability and and this particular elite family has even less uh, accountability than 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 most elites would because he's the president and the media uh, and the deep state the, the 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 intelligence agencies all essentially you know are on his side they don't want to see any harm be uh, befall him but That's one side of the equation. Then there's a flip side of the hypocrisy, which is the partisans that oppose him, they are engaged in double standards too. And and it's real. I'll just be real blunt. They wouldn't care as much. They wouldn't care at all if this was the Trump White House or the DeSantis White House. In fact, they would say that the media was treating their guy unfairly by focusing so hard on this. It's called whataboutism, right? Right, right. It's okay if it's my side uh, does it, but it's really... The, a satanic plot from hell when it's your side. So you've got the double standards of the elites that Joe Biden is enjoying and not having to be investigated. And we know that this is the way this works. And then there's a double standard for the partisans, which is his critics. Now, if it was a Republican on the White House, they'd just simply hand each other their scripts and they would switch. Second, hypocrisy. So those are the double standard hypocrisy. There is a criminal hypocrisy here. Joe Biden has been a long standing drug warrior and drugs need to be rooted out of society and that they were root of crime. And he has been on the front lines of this. He's pushed for this and he's done nothing, even though he made a very bold promise last year that they were going to let people out of prison. It turns out that was not true. There's nothing's happened on that. That, that thing was so qualified. Reminds me of a scene from uh, Steve Martin's The Jerk. You know, you can have anything below this line and above this line. Uh, to the left of this, the pencils, but not the erasers, right? It, those are your prizes. And so he built this large qualified scheme and they didn't end up letting anybody out of prisons for nonviolent drug offenses. They didn't do it. They they got a lot of credit for it. I'm one of the people that gave him credit for it. It turned out it meant nothing. He has been a drug warrior and people are in prison for this. And if this gets treated lightly, then this is this is criminal hypocrisy. The truth of the matter, the thing that I can say uniquely that they can't, and that most of that the, the Republican critics can't, is that cocaine should not be illegal. Now, you might say, etiquette-wise, it doesn't belong in the White House. You might say there's somebody that exercised really poor judgment. You might say that. Okay, you can have those conversations all day. That's fine but the fact, the idea that it is criminal and illegal and the worst thing that could possibly happen as, as one organization who kind of provoked me to do this show uh, explains like, oh, this is so terrible, right? I mean, as CNN's laughing about it, they said, you, listen, it shouldn't be a crime, but given that it is and who it is, what's being done about it? You see the hypocrisy here? Oh, absolutely. So the right thing to do, I'm not calling for an investigation. I'm calling for legalization plain and simple. Yeah. Okay. I've not tra- on to, that one. You might need to fire somebody. Somebody might have done something wrong at work, or they might be blackmailable. There might be a whole host of things to talk about there. But dollars and cents here, you know, we've got these double standards for the elites, double standards on partisans, and then we got this whole criminal double standard. And Joe Biden is guilty as can be on that. He's not guilty because there's he doesn't need to be impeached because there's snow
0: in the White House. That's absurd. <laughs> but he needs to be impeached, doesn't he? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I think that's yeah, just so part of the thing. Year two, s- you get impeached. So
1: exactly. So everybody's acting like this is common now because it happened with Bill Clinton for the first time since, who knows? I think it was Andrew Johnson was the last one. Yeah. yeah. Was- so you get Bill Clinton is, is, uh, is impeached and not convicted. And Donald Trump is twice impeached and not convicted. And people start to wonder if this is going to be the new norm. Because the republic, there are, there are Republicans calling for the impeachment of Joe Biden. So I want to confess, I want to testify that, you know, I've already confessed to one thing in this podcast that I had to learn when I was younger. Up through the second Obama administration, uh, I believed in impeachment. I believe that it, we should be doing it to every one of these presidents. They all violate the law. You can't name a president that hasn't violated the Constitution. They stand up and take an oath and they violate it. Every single one of them in my lifetime has done it. No exceptions. So, on that basis, we probably should impeach them all. And we don't, definitely don't hold them anywhere near accountable to their campaign promises, uh, sometimes even to standards of ethics in some cases are so bad. Uh, you know, if you campaign telling everybody that you will not go around doing nation building, and then you put together a cabinet full of nation builders, and then surprise, 9 11 happens, and then you start going nation building. Oh, we couldn't have seen that coming. Look at whose cabinet is, you know? If you campaigned Bill to say, I'm going to abolish all porn, and you, everybody you hired worked in the porn industry, we'd have to start to wonder, right? Right. So right. it's the same deal here. So I, you know, I thought, okay, you know, they've all done something, they all should be impeached. Impeachment should be used more frequently, but I've done a 180 on this. And I did it early in the Trump, late in the Obama, but definitely came over the line by the time Trump came in. Here's my reasoning. I think it's absurd. I think our founding fathers constructed a Rube Goldberg device that absolutely cannot work. So every time impeachment occurs, I want to make sure everybody's listening. Every time impeachment is even being discussed as a possibility, what doesn't matter is whether it's a high crime or misdemeanor or what the definitions of those words are, because there are people, by the way, who can tell you those things. They, They have this long legal education, but none of that matters. What matters is whether or not it can be done politically. And Donald Trump said, I could stand in the middle of a street and shoot somebody in broad daylight and I wouldn't go, I wouldn't get, go to prison for it. And the truth of the matter is that is always true that people lie. They even lie to Congress. Bureaucrats do it all the time. I don't want to get done done any rabbit trail, but I'll just tell you that right before we all went to holiday weekend on July fourth, Joe Biden broke the law. He issued an executive order, uh, basically saying, "I'm done complying with a law that was passed unanimously by Congress in 1992." Not going to get the details of it, okay? What I am going to say is, no one's going to, to prosecute him for this. No one's even going to attempt to impeach him for this because there's no way that that happens. Our founding fathers thought, and this is. Turns out to be quaint. It's a beautiful theory. I love, I'm enamored with the theory of separation of powers, that we would have three co-equal branches that would be zealous, uh, jealous of of protecting their authorities, and they would not allow the other branches to impinge on it. But what has happened instead is they've actively colluded. And then there was a second thing they set up called federalism, which was another check, which said that the federal had certain responsibilities, the state had the rest of them. And the feds were very clearly spelled out. The states had a much broader palette within which to work. And there would be some differences from state to state. So states were not going to be beholden to the federal government as they are today because now they collude. And basically being in the state house is being on the minor league team for Congress. And everybody wants to climb up the ladder and be in Congress or they want to be you know, whatever, senator, president. And so we don't have federalism really to speak of. We don't have separation of powers. These things have eroded significantly. That's why at Downsize DC, we have the Right to Laws Act. It deals specifically with the fact that Congress routinely delegates, it doesn't have the authority to do this, it's legislative power under our social contract to unelected bureaucrats. So now let's get back, what does this have to do with impeachment? It means impeachment's essentially a, a, a political question. Yeah, And, I, and I mean, it's not, it is primarily a political question, it is overwhelmingly a political question. So that a crime that is not really a crime, which is probably the case in Donald Trump's, one of two Donald Trump's two impeachments, it's not a high crime or misdemeanor, probably. Like now, we probably we know that, is not the issue. What's issue is whether or not they could get the political will together to do it. And here, the people that are upset about finding cocaine in the White House, we literally I'm holding in in my, in my hand right now, I'm holding an article printed off the internet that came to me me yesterday. And I said, Bill, we got to get on and talk about this, saying that this is outrageous and unprecedented to find cocaine inside the White House. There's gambling in this here establishment. Can you believe that? And they said this is outrageous and unprecedented. They want to use this as fodder for impeachment. Impeachment. So now let me bring this all full circle and tie this together for you. This was all about impeachment. And it's only the, the argument of the week. It's the argument of the day for impeachment. Because, you know, we got to impeach him. We got so many reasons. Every day we come to you with a new ephemeral reason for why we have to impeach him. And the dialogue between all of us continues to get more and more coarse. And worse, we're not actually focusing on real issues anymore. We're only focused on whether or not we can make the other side cry. Exactly. I look at at this entire thing and I think there's got to be a better way to do things. And we do this show because we, we believe we know what it is. And that way is people come together voluntarily and they solve problems together. And when they confront something that they don't understand and that they don't agree with, they say, hey, can we sit down and talk? Maybe let's get on our porch here and have some lemonade together. Let's talk about what it is that differs. I want to understand your position. I want to see your humanity. Even if I disagree with you, even if I think you're wrong, And I'm going to ask you to listen to me, but it's really, I'm going to be the one that starts. I'm going to do it first. Grace is unmerited favor. It is the kind of courtesy that you extend to another human being explicitly because at that moment, they don't deserve it. They didn't do anything to earn it. And you're going to say to them, I want to hear and recognize you as a person. I don't want to impeach you. I don't wanna take small charges and make big deals out of them. I don't wanna do anything at any price to try to get political one-upsmanship on you. In fact, and I recognize, by the way, that this might require me to turn a cheek. It might require me to go the extra mile. It might even require me to carry a cross. But I'll do it because that's the first step to healing. And it's the first step, by the way, to escape the conflict machine.